All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to Pop Cult X. Uh, welcome to our special presentation, our little talks, so to speak. It's our conversation series where we chat with a wide variety of creative people. Today, we're fortunate and happy and thrilled to and delighted to be joined by David Quiroz Jr., who is the creator and writer of Night of the Chihuahuas. Which, uh, thank you. Well, thanks for joining us. Yes, we appreciate your time. Um, you don't realize how difficult it is to spell Chihuahua until you're typing it <laughs> a bunch of times. <laughs> right. I can no longer need autocorrect to spell it right. I don't no longer need to look it up. I have it ingrained in my brain now. <laughs> yeah. Hua, hua. That's how I always remember it. <laughs> exactly. Wah, wah. <laughs> so right off the bat, um, why a Chihuahua? Why I... Chihuahuas? Okay, so like this always makes sense if you grew up if you grew up like I did, you know, if you if I'm a Latino and mm-hmm. when our nanas had chihuahuas, they were mean as heck. And so everybody else I meet, you know, they're always like, What are you talking about? I carry mine in my purse and it's all you know, it's so well behaved and it's poiled and pampered. And I'm like, the chihuahuas I grew up with, they were like they lived outside, they scavenged and they defended their territory like nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so I always grew up and it was funny because you know, uh, my Nana gave us her Chihuahua and it was old okay. and then she gave it to us and it lived for like another 10 years. You know, it was oh. already old when we got it. <laughs> By the end of it, she was blind and toothless and she still chased everybody out of the house. And she was like the queen of the territory. And I always uh-huh. used to tell her, if you had the strength to back up your attitude, you would be illegal to own. And then yeah. that kind of that saying, I, when I said that to her, it like something clicked in my head and I just thought, how funny would it be if there were these chihuahuas that they look normal, but they had gotten into something that suddenly they could, you know, do all the things that they thought they could. And it just became like a very funny concept. And then I started developing it and, you know, I'm a horror fanatic. And so I just started uh, kind of basing it on all the campy monster movies that I grew up watching. <laughs> well, let's get into that a little bit before we before yeah. we talk more about Night of Chihuahua. Let's talk a little bit about yourself. So you said you're a horror fanatic. So you grew up, we're about, I think, the same generation. So um, what was like your favorite horror movie growing up? Or did you have several? Uh, yeah, I had several. Yeah, I was. So I grew up my absolute favorite horror movie of all time is uh, it still is Night of the Living Dead, the original um, I hate that I have to clarify that. It's like, no, 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 the 1968 <laughs> version. Um, and then similarly, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 1970, <laughs> the, the original version, you know. It's the like, original, right, right, right. Yeah, so, but those two left a really profound impression on me as a young sir, just sort of like, it's showing that what horror could do because you know it's like as a child i always watched movies that i shouldn't have you know i mean and it was more of the okay. thrill of like wow mm-hmm. this is freaky and nobody everybody's getting scared and it's i don't know what to make of these uh scares and scenarios and things like that and then once i got a little bit older and i could see like the social context of it and how they represented the times and the fears of the generation and like you can look back and identify things that uh, reasons that people made these boogeymen and made uh the characters that are running away from said boogeyman and what they were really trying to say and uh you know it's like you grew up and you hear these fairy tales you hear like uh you know for me my nana was always everything was like it will kill you if you don't listen to me it was like don't go outside at night or the kukui will eat you don't right go right. by the canal or la llorona is gonna get you it's always there was always a penalty for every lesson. And so it's like horror movies and horror tales are very much similar to that. They're, you know, cautionary tales and they're um, things that represent what 
the storyteller is afraid of more so than what they're trying to make the Mm -hmm. audience afraid of. That's very true. Very true. It is more about representation of what, who created the story. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So if on our last episode, uh, my co-host and I gave who couldn't be here tonight, he apologizes, but we, he talked about having this fear of zombie flicks and he's always has been scared of zombie movies and he owns a chihuahua himself. So, so first off, he said, yeah, she's definitely not a purse dog. But what he wants to know, like, what is your favorite zombie movie then? Do you have like an all time uh, beyond Night of the Living Dead? Dawn of the the, the original Dawn of the Dead. Um, okay. It's probably I. OK, so that's the movie that I saw when I was like six. And I mean, can oh, you nice. imagine like as a six year old watching this movie? I have no idea what my uncle was thinking when he showed it to me. <laughs> but um, it's another one of those ones that like I, I watched it and it was just like what is this what is going on you know it was so insane gave me nightmares for years and i just wanted that thrill but more than anything you know it's a very it works on many levels talking about like consumerism and uh, a lot of the things that you know what the zombies represent the fact that they're in a shopping mall is not an accident it's telling another part of the story and you know the way that what i always told people is i like zach schneider's version i think it's a Mm -hmm. fun movie but it lacks the the depth and the character of that original movie. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, um, for myself, I always had this fear of werewolves. So I watched American oh, nice. Werewolf in London as a <laughs> child. And that really um, implanted, I think, on me until I was able to like overcome that fear as a teenager. But it's now, were you afraid of like transforming into a werewolf or were you afraid of the werewolves coming after you? I think I was more afraid of the werewolves coming after me. Okay. It, it was like just the fear of being hunted, I guess. And in, in a dream that I had, I was being hunted until I finally said enough is enough. And I stood my ground and defeated said werewolf. So mm-hmm. I think that's when I overcame that. But I think you on to something about that's cool. the, the storytellers representing what they fear. So imagine like the creators are like, Friday the 13th, were they afraid of getting slashed in the woods? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's kind of funny too, because I think that was also like having been, I've done a lot of work in independent cinema. And so I know like, you know, a lot of that too is more opportunity of, they were trying to appeal to an audience because they had seen, I think at that point they had already seen, you know, Halloween did gangbusters and it was cheap to make. And they were like, we can do that. That's what Mm -hmm. people want to see. So it was at that point, I'd love to get into Victor Miller's head a little bit as far as, you know, okay. So they task you with a bunch of skin, nubile teenagers getting hunted down at a summer camp. (laughs) Where, where, where did your psychology come into play with making it a mother whose son had been, you know, it's like, that Mm, is where I think that talks through it, even though the scenario was presented by the producers, now it's up to the screenwriter to say, okay, well, here's where I'm going to dig in and, you know, dig into some of my own um, fears and what I have. But yeah, I think in that situation too, it's a little bit more, um, What's what I'm looking for, like uh, exploitation, as as it were, mm-hmm. because it, because of what they were trying to emulate. <laughs> now, um, you mentioned screenwriters, and you 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 yourself are a screenwriter, yeah. as as well as a comic book writer. So, what would you say is the biggest challenge or difference between the two genres or mediums? I guess I would say it's the thing that I've learned the most uh, being a comic book writer, and you know. I, I've, I've always been a fan of comic books. And so I always wanted to be, to write my own comic books. Uh, finally getting the opportunity is understanding that, you know, writers like Alan Moore can get away with like very verbose 
panels, but like when you work with an artist and they sit you down and they say, I cannot fit this huge monologue into this panel of art that you want me to. (laughs) It's forced me to really, really focus more on how you're telling the story visually, which film is also visual, but film is moving images. And so you have a little bit more leeway with, uh, Every panel is like, uh, you know, what are you conveying visually there? Because essentially somebody picking up a comic book, and there are, of course, exceptions to this, but for the most part, you're picking up a comic book because of what you're seeing. Um, And you want to have great dialogue. You want to have great characters. That's, of course, uh, very important. But learning how to focus more on visuals uh, has been something that's taken a little bit of getting used to. Uh, And that would that's something I would say is probably the biggest difference. the most fun thing though is that you can get away with so much it's like you know you don't have a you don't have a producer leaning over your shoulder going dude i can't afford that why did you just write a space station blowing up and it's like artists is gonna draw that man it's cool that's cool that's that's very true i mean it's just like with animation to live action right you can Mm -hmm. you can push the boundaries more i guess yeah for sure it's very true um how much did your so you said or i read that you're from arizona or in arizona now did that have a play in forming your um not just chihuahua love because we talked about that but also your love of like um horror or how much did where you grew up play into how you write now uh that's a really good so because i mean when you think of horror people like you know the classic horror is always like these victorian architectures and these like old haunted buildings and you know where i live the oldest building i think was built in like 1950 you know there's nothing like old and ancient and stuff here but there was a whole culture and the whole people that lived here long before us and the, you know the name phoenix mm-hmm. uh the mm-hmm. city that i live in phoenix or i technically live in gilbert which is a suburb but whatever it's phoenix <laughs> you know um yeah. but phoenix rose from the and they named it that because there was an entire civilization here already and they basically just built this new city on top of it so they said you know mm. it's going to rise from the ashes of the previous but the previous people left for a reason you know they weren't driven out they were like they were gone they were like <laughs> right 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 rose. there's no water it's hot this place sucks we're out of here <laughs> um, and so I think a lot of that is like the newness of it, the the fact that everything's so modern and clean and sterile. And it's there's something creepy about that. And I think Tim Burton always does a pretty good job of showing that, you know, I was thinking of like Beetlejuice and uh, mm-hmm. things where, you know, it shows like uh, Edward Scissorhands, how freaky the conformity and the uh, sort of sameness of a suburbia can be and i've yeah been true. very drawn to that and so i try not to set things the things i write i don't set them in these classic haunted mansions and these like things that i didn't grow up around because i that's not what i know you know right. i know mm-hmm. uh where i'm from and i think that there is a lot of scares to be found there and it might not be the the house itself might look great it might be like brand new and all the appliances are sparkling and you know everything is set up but that there's something creepy in the lying underneath. And that's what I'm yeah. always going for in my work. Very cool. Very cool. That Yeah, you're right. There is something creepy about the sterility or that is a word. The <laughs> sameness. Of it is it. now. It is now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that leads in, I guess, good into the um, your comic book series, Night of the Chihuahuas. I want to share a video that I pulled off of your Kickstarter page because I think it does a good job of like, you know, highlighting what the series is about. So let me go ahead and share that with everyone right now. Cool.
Yeah, that is really cool. I mean, I like the cover art. That's I'm really drawn to comic books. A lot of reasons for the cover art. And mm-hmm. I saw when I was in a comic book shop, I saw the variant covers. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah, I love those. The, this just really stood out to me. I was like, what is that? I want to know more about that. And you also have the, I think it's the 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 Jaws variation for, yeah. for issue two, which I thought was really cool. And then the Godzilla one, which you saw in the video, that one looks phenomenal. I'm going to have to pick that one up as well. Um, so I guess now that we're talking about Night of Chihuahuas, um, this has been a project that you've been working on for some time. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Longer than I care to admit. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, take us back to the beginning of it. So you, I, I did some research. I did some digging. I saw that there was like a whole, like a video of it you made, I guess, yes. a while back. Did that come before the comic books, correct? Yeah, it did. So, and it, the reason that we did the movie was because I had just graduated from film school and I thought I knew oh, nice. everything. And I was like, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, we could do that. I, at the time there was like a, a whole digital video boom happening where you can yeah. go to like Blockbuster and Hollywood video and I'm dating myself here, but, or aging myself, but like, it's you know, okay. you can We're go to Hollywood. X. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And so you remember, but do you remember you could go mm-hmm. to these video stores and get what looked like a pretty good horror movie and you'd get it home. And it was like shot on video with like all these kids that you'd never heard of. And you're like, damn it, I just got ripped <laughs> off. But then sometimes they were really funny or they were, there were some quality ones to be had. They were mm-hmm. few and far between. And uh, there were a lot of ones that you could just have fun with and, you know, have some beers and just laugh at. And then there were some ones that were just unwatchable. But um, so I, I had seen those and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to make one. Uh, and then, of course, idiot that I am, I made one that was shot almost entirely at night featuring animals, featuring <laughs> tons of special effects. <laughs> and like, we couldn't do it. It ended up, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, finished it in the loosest sense of the terms then it was like this is going no i'm not even going to try to get this distributed man we're just going to sit on this <laughs> as a proof of concept but uh-huh. i always loved the idea of it, and i always said if i ever got the budget i'd go back to it and then when i started um thinking about getting into comic books i was like i kept coming back to this idea and then every artist that i approached was like i love that idea i would love to draw that and so getting a team assembled was really easy that's cool yeah i mean um i can understand why the concept would work. I mean, it takes from, I think from like the zombie tropes of a, of a horde and you mm-hmm. pull it into who doesn't love an animal, a dog, right? So and you combine the two and we have it. I mean, it's, it's very fun. I like that it's a horror comedy because um, so it's not really taking itself too seriously. No, not at all. <laughs> which I, which I appreciate. And I like um, the artwork in the first couple of issues. Great. I know that you guys, made some changes with the artists going forward, which is great. I like seeing different takes on and different um, interpretations, I guess, of of what the written word coming from you is. So how is it like working with the different artists? And do you have, do you have to have like a good um, working relationship with them in order to like translate what you're saying on page to the art? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's, and you know, one of the things is too is, when you're writing a script and this goes for anything, you know, as, as a writer, you're creating something and then you're giving it over unless you're doing a novel or literature, in which case mm-hmm. it's just going straight to the reader. But when you're doing comic books, when you're doing film, you're giving it to an artist to interpret, you're giving it to a director to interpret, to bring their vision to it. And so I think it's been, I'm a very collaborative person by nature, um, especially in my art. And so for me, I'm bringing artists on board that I'm, I think are going to, you know, I like, 
their work. I believe that they're going to bring a unique vision to what I'm writing. And so I'm entrusting them to kind of, you know, bring life to it and add their unique take on it. Um, I'm not there to like micromanage them and tell them what to do because they're, that's not right. art, you know, right, art right, is, right. um, they have a, they have a story to tell as well. And so, uh, a lot of times they're actually bringing some, a new perspective that I wouldn't have thought of. And so it's been pretty cool to collaborate and say, you know, they say, well, what if we do this? Or, you know, I, I'm really drawn to this part of this page. Can we restructure the panel so that I can highlight that? And a lot of times it's brought a really cool splash to it. And um, unfortunately with independent art, you know, excuse me, it does take a while. And so we've lost the first artist because it was, you know, at a certain yeah. point, you've got your day jobs, you've got other things going on. And, you know, when you're that talented, you get hired <laughs> on to bigger stuff. And yeah. it's like, hey, can you guys match this? Nope, you're out. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man, but, you know, it's been awesome working with you. Thank you for the memories mm -hmm. and, you know, go forth and do awesome because I know that you will. But it's, you know, kind of one of those things where I always liken it to being in a band where, you know, you're making mm -hmm. music, you're having a great mm -hmm. time, you're making something great. But at a certain point, people will start to, you know, get hired on other places or go do their own thing or whatever when you're taking as long to do this. If you're, if you've got the money up front and you can get it all done, then of course, you know, you're all in it together for that run. But that's one of the reasons we're doing a Kickstarter is because we got yeah. to this point, we're selling, we're doing really well pushing it, but we're doing well slowly. And so we were hoping that the Kickstarter would be a way to kind of make a splash and get in front of people that wouldn't have otherwise heard about us and reach a wider audience than we can, because, you know, we can only go as far as our tank of gas or as far as, you know, we haven't flown <laughs> right, right. anywhere yet. Everywhere we've gone is like a drive from Phoenix. It's like, you know, oh, cool. LA seven hour drive. Okay, cool. Let's go to, you know, Northern California. It's a 10, 12 hour drive to uh, Vegas, Vegas, six hours, hour seven hours. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. I've never made it from Vegas to Phoenix in four hours. <laughs> yeah, traffic. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> My parents live out in Surprise, which is near Phoenix. So oh, okay, there, cool. I think four or five hours I did once. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like the first suburb you're going to hit on the way. Exactly. To Vegas, so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, with the boon, I say boon only because I, I, I'm recently into comic books and um, maybe it's been like this before, but I didn't know. But a lot of the writers and artists that I follow have been coming up with their own creator controlled material and some mm -hmm. more independent comic books. So that's why I call it a boon because it's seem it's all new to me. Um, how important do you think it is for you to re maintain control of that as a creator controlled comic book series, as opposed to maybe, you know, selling off the rights to someone else who might want to run with something similar? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I got to be honest, man. If somebody waved enough money in front of me, I'm selling out. I'm I'm going to sell out so fast. You know? <laughs> but Why for, not? Yeah, I, know, I, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do love it, but you know, the thing is like, this is my baby. This is something that's very dear to me. Uh, you know, the, the titular character or character, the titular Chihuahua Coco is named after my, the favorite dog I've ever had that I told you about at the start of our, uh, start of this conversation. And so it's like, it is very near and dear to me. My name is on it. And so I'm very, I, it, you know, if somebody came in and was like, let's do something completely different. It's like, well, that's not the story I came here to tell. And right. I feel like I'm very lucky in that I have the ability to say, uh, you know, no, I would rather do this for less, less initial, um, exposure and money to tell the story that I want to tell, as opposed mm -hmm. to having to, you know, say, yes, I will do whatever you want. If you've got a few bucks kind of thing, or if you can, you know, drop a few bucks in the hat. Um, so 
I am hoping that we can continue that. I'm definitely hoping that, uh, you know, this is, I know how the story ends, obviously it's, it's going to be a five issue series. Uh, we're almost there. We're issue three is ready to go with this Kickstarter issue four is being worked on right now. And then the script for five is already done. So it's like, nice. you know, we're getting there. I'm going to throw a massive party when it's done because it's been a really <laughs> long, I mean, it's been a long process, you know, yeah. and just to see it completed is going to be so fulfilling. And I know that it will be. And uh, like I said, the end is insight. We're almost there. Um, and then there's more to be told. I mean, the story, the initial story ends after five, but there's a whole, I don't want to say like a star Wars style universe, but there is the next uh, issue. The next uh, story is set. And then there's a couple spinoffs that I've got some ideas for, depending on where it goes. But, you That's know, I cool. mean, kill the chihuahuas. You can do so much with it, right? <laughs> the chihuahua verse, so to speak. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. I mean, I can see how you can spin that off in many different directions. Maybe one escapes. I don't know how the story ends yet because I've only mm -hmm. read the first two issues, but I can just imagine <laughs> how one runs away from the horde and, you know, causes other mutations elsewhere. So yeah, I, yep. can, I can totally see how that could be spinned off. That's pretty cool. Um, so people out there who are watching, if they want to find your Kickstarter, they can just search on Kickstarter for Night of the Chihuahuas. I know you guys have your website, Night of the Chihuahuas. Dot com and they can go there as well and chihuahua c-h-i-h-u-a-h-u-a-s for everyone <laughs> u-a-a -A. yep yep that's right so i had <laughs> or you know what because chihuahuas is so hard to spell if you go to uh b-i-t dot l-y slash killer dogs both the k and the oh, nice. are both capitalized we did that because chihuahuas is kind of yeah. hard to spell <laughs> that's cool okay well i'll make sure i'll add yeah. in all those links into the oh cool thank description you description of the youtube so we everyone can get out there because i think it's a fun project that everyone needs needs to see at least and hopefully support yeah i mean i really i tell people i'm like you know listen if you love chihuahuas you're gonna love this project if you hate chihuahuas you're gonna love this project there's something for everybody here <laughs> um i always tell people too you know it is i promise you it's the best comic book about killer chihuahuas you're ever gonna read so there you go. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, briefly, let's chat a little bit about pop culture since I have you on here and we are a pop culture show. All right. Um, so what are you currently uh, watching, reading, listening to um, what, you know, what do you get your inspiration from stuff like that? Just go ahead and yeah. just fire lightning around it. All right, cool. So right now I'm actually reading a book called The Daughter of Dr. Moreau, which is by oh, an okay. author named uh, Silvia Moreno Garcia. Yeah. Uh, she is one of my favorite authors. She wrote a book called Mexican Gothic that mm -hmm. is just, mm -hmm. it's amazing. And uh, all of her books, I have i don't think I have, even like the book that I didn't like the most, I still really liked it. Mm -hmm. It's just some I've loved and some I've just really liked. Uh, Daughter of Dr. Moreau is shaping up to be very good. I'm just, you know, I'm probably about 50 pages into it. Um, TV wise, I just got done watching welcome to right. I've become a soccer fan, which I never thought I would be. Um, my son is in <laughs> my son's in club soccer. So that basically consumes my life right now. And so I've become okay. a big soccer fan. The world cup was a lot of fun to watch. So we just started watching welcome to Wrexham and that was great with Ryan Reynolds mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. Rob McElhaney. And it reminded me a lot of, uh, we have my favorite sports team right now is the Phoenix rising, which is our local, uh, soccer club. And it kind of okay. reminded me, I saw a lot of parallels between the two, uh, not the historic fan base or anything like that but like you know the up-and-coming team is trying to uh elevate itself and stuff it was a lot of fun yeah that show is awesome i love that show yeah that show was great we did finally finish it um 
gosh, I mean, there's so much good TV right now. And then I do a podcast with my wife where we review movies like every week. It's called Date oh, Night nice. In. And we okay. do uh, every week because it's like, you know, we're both we're very busy people and mm-hmm. we have two kids that consume most of our time. And so a lot of times at the end of the week, we're exhausted. We don't want to go out. It's like the, <laughs> the thought of going out to dinner, out to a movie, out to something is exhausting. And so we're like, well, let's make a cocktail at home and watch a movie. And so we just started doing a very podcast cool. where we review them. So we just watched Guillermo <laughs> del Toro's uh, Pinocchio, which I loved. I thought it was really good. It was really good. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Anything he does is just odd. Like his, I can't wait to show my kids Pan's Labyrinth. They're not quite ready for it, but like that's one of my favorite movies of all mm-hmm. time. I just can't wait mm-hmm. to show it to them. Yeah, he's he's an awesome creator. I mean, I think like uh, Hellboy, just like the you know his creatures yeah. that he creates. It's just wow. I, yeah, I can't believe the Hellboy two didn't become bigger than it was. I mean, that movie that's deserved true. to it be was really good. Yeah, yes, it was beautiful. It had like so many new uh, you saw the universe right there in that mm-hmm. movie you know it's like how many possibilities there were and the fact that that was it for the hellboy for his hellboy it was uh it's just heartbreaking yeah i agree i agree um so do you use any music for inspirations um when you're getting into your writing mode like that yep. or does it depend upon what you're writing yeah, I've actually got uh, one thing is that I get really distracted by lyrics, though, so I have to have instrumental when I'm writing, but I have a whole playlist uh, that I keep and it's a lot, I'm a big geek. It's a lot of video game soundtracks, uh, the Silent Hill, uh, Akira oh, Yamaoka's mm-hmm. uh, work, uh, some Final mm-hmm. Fantasy Nobuo uh, Uematsu's work as mm-hmm. well, and uh, some movie soundtracks. So Clint Amsell's, I know, uh, uh, what was, uh, why am I drawing a blank right now? The Requiem for a Dream soundtrack. Uh, cool. A lot of horror soundtracks, basically. So a lot of instrumentals. Very cool. I my know, wife's um... my wife thinks that she's hiding back there. She's not. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was like no. That was like the I I always remember the uh, what was that one where the guys try to do the interview for the, and his kid like comes his kids come in, in yeah. and the wife is like crawling <laughs> to try to like just just own it. <laughs> just say hi. Yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Yeah. It seems like we have a lot of similarities with what we use for inspiration. So that's, that's really cool. And I've really recently gotten into more of the movie scores. So yeah. um, like uh, what's his name? Michael. Oh, I can't think of his last name. He did the score for like rogue one. Um, oh, he just gosh. directed werewolf by night. Yes. Yes. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Like some of his his music is just beautiful. Of course, there's John Mm -hmm. Williams, who's, you know, the gold standard when it comes to score, I think. But it's just I've been really appreciating that more and more. I don't know if it's just an age thing as we get older. You just you appreciate more of the of the creative that it takes to make those scores. Yeah. Yeah. And how sweeping they are. And the thing is like, they always capture the exact mood that you want. So I have, you know, if I'm writing an action sequence, I'm going to listen to something that's from, you know, one of my favorite uh, action scenes. And if it's more somber, I've got like, a so I've got the playlist broken down by mood. And then that way, when I'm writing, you know, if it's a, most of it is, most of it's kind of a eerie atmospheric stuff. (laughs) That's very cool. Mm -hmm. Well, if anyone wants to follow you and learn more about you, um, you're on Instagram, Twitter, um, where, where else can people find you or what's your handle there? So people can go look you up and follow your escapades. Yeah. So I don't really use Twitter much anymore. I'll probably jump back on at some point, but I took a break. Um, I'm just, uh, L David Kiros Jr. And that's, uh, EL to start. 
at Twitter on Instagram. I am David Kiros Jr. Uh, all one word. And gosh, I think that's about it. I'm not on Facebook. I don't have, I have not cool enough to have gotten into any of the other uh, <laughs> social media yet. I feel exhausted. I'm like, I always, oh, I only I have time for like one site at a time. <laughs> so right now it's Instagram. Instagram is where I'm I, most active on. I completely hear you. I mean, it's like Snapchat, TikTok. It's like, oh gosh, it's yeah. just like, do we have to do that? Can we just stay here? Oh, there was like I comment. just I just figured out how did you how to use Instagram and I'm like five right. years behind everybody else. <laughs> um, it looks like Nathan said Giancino is the composer's name. Oh, so thank thanks, you, thank you, Nathan, for for helping us old guys out. <laughs> so yeah, I think um, unless you have any parting thoughts you'd like to share with us about your. About your night of the chihuahuas tale i think that will wrap it up for tonight cool yeah i mean just you know we really we wanted to thank everybody because uh this has been something that i never thought possible i mean we raised 100 percent of our funding in three days wow uh, we're cool. like nine days in and we're at 170 percent funding which it sounds great but i don't want people to hear that and think like oh cool they've got it i don't have to right, do anything right, yeah. uh because yeah. you know the more the, the more support that's why that i get, didn't say that <laughs> Thank you. You know, but like the more support that we get, uh, the more the more we fight the algorithms because everything yeah. right now is about fighting those damn algorithms. And it's mm -hmm. like it's hard for people to find us sometimes because we're getting pushed to the bottom of uh, people's feeds or, you know, Kickstarter is not we're not one of the projects that they're have found and like kicked to the top of their page yet. And right. um, the more people talk about it and, you know, we have a project that we believe in. Uh, we have a project that I've you know, we've been to so many comic cons, so many fan fusions, so many events that have just, you know, people's eyes light up when they see it and they love it and they're telling their friends. And, you know, we're just trying to reach a bigger audience. We're just trying to get, uh, mm -hmm. we believe in it so much that we want it out in front of more people, you know, and I've done a lot of projects or I shouldn't say a lot. I've done some projects before where I'm like, you know, it was a paycheck. It was something, you know, it just got me through and that's great. And now it's, lost to history uh, this is not one of those this is something that i'm very passionate about that i think you know you're really going to enjoy and i hope you give it a chance and i always tell people too if you can't support us with your wallet that's fine we know that times are mm -hmm. tough right now and you know everybody's economic situation is different but you know please help us you know spread the word tell your friends um you know re tweet relink us uh, however that works on instagram i forgot to share <laughs> share the link share the link that's what i'm trying to say so no. uh you know independent art is really difficult it's a labor of love and uh there's you know it's really easy to get your stuff somewhere else but you know we're telling a story that not you're not going to find anywhere else it's very unique and so you know if you want to see more uh we do require that support yeah and everyone should support again we are talking with david kiros jr the writer of night of the chihuahuas you can go find them on instagram like he said and it doesn't take much time to share your support share a link it's really simple to do just exactly. do it exactly and it's free you could do that part and then if you have you know a few extra bucks you want a cool comic book grab it yeah. be one of the supporters so thank you david for taking some time to chat with us today we really appreciate it here and we will do all that we can to help support and and you know make issues four and five and six that much easier to to get out there Cool, man. We appreciate it. It's great. Yeah, fine. You know, we'll do it. It's to be a bonus issue. So. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So thank you again, David. We appreciate it. Cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me on, man. It was great.
All right, take care.